Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode here on the City of Hope Church podcast. This is another episode for a small group series and today we are beginning the very last chapter called Cultural Renewal uh, in the book that we've been going through called Kingdom Vision and it's been a wonderful, wonderful book and this chapter is uh, is an awesome chapter and we're just going to du- dive right in here Um but as it opens up, you know, this entire last part of the book. So the book has been split up into two parts. Part A, the way of Jesus, and part B, the renewal of the city. And that is built upon these two pillars of discipleship and mission. We believe that the Christian church's goal is to become God's people in the world and live for his purposes on earth. Living on mission for God involves spiritual renewal, social renewal, and lastly, like we're going to be talking about, cultural renewal and when we bring up things like culture the book begins in describing you know when you when you talk about culture you talk about Jesus uh, it brings up this kind of tension uh, and people can begin to even question does culture even matter or how can we play a part Uh, people even don't even feel really equipped so that's what we're going to be wrestling with here Clay is is how Christians and culture go hand in hand yeah, and there, there are a lot of questions, and we sort of wrestled with some of them in that last po- podcast talking about politics, and, and you know, he asked some of these questions like, doesn't the church get messy when it gets involved in the larger culture? It, it starts addressing cultural issues. Uh, haven't we done a terrible job to this point, and shouldn't we kind of just stay out of everybody else's business? Yeah. And, and, and here, let me tell you something. I've talked to many Christians that that's sort of their stance, uh, some people take different stances when it comes to cultural engagement and stuff like that. Like we should be heavily involved in politics. Maybe even that should be one of our primary aims. And another person just says like, I don't really need to tell anybody about what I believe. Yeah. Like you, I'm just going to do me. I got my relationship with Jesus and, and you do you. And, and I think probably both of those ultimately aren't necessarily very, very helpful because, um, we do have to understand what what God has ultimately called us to. Now He breaks down in here uh, what is considered by theologians the cultural mandate, which is given in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two to human beings mm-hmm. to basically take the raw material of God's creation and form it into beautiful things that cause human flourishing and beauty and that just point us back to the glory of God. Because when you do see beautiful things and you look at creation in nature or you even see something that humans have made like beautiful architecture or home or, or something like that, it points to the glory of God Yeah. because we've designed something out of the raw material that God has given us and that is what we do as image bearers. Uh, but He's going to give five positions about Christ and culture uh, from this book by Richard Niebuhr. Um, and and he gives five different positions, and I think it would be worth kind of going through. Uh, but the first one is, is Christ against culture. So he lists certain Christians that adopted this mentality, Menno Simmons, who is the father of the Mennonites. So even if you look at the Mennonites, for example, you know them just because you go buy donuts from them or whatever. Yeah. Seem to be 
wonderful people. Sometimes people say they can be a little bit grumpy. I don't, you know, whatever. The point is they, they choose to be com- separate, completely yeah. separate from culture itself. Yeah. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to wear certain clothing. They're going to drive black vehicles and they're not going to get involved in your stuff socially because they've chosen to be against culture to withdraw from it and, and remain a culture outside of the larger culture just living completely in defiance and separate from it. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, he lists Anabaptists in there. So I know there's a guy named Greg Boyd, pastors of church in Minnesota, and he considers himself to be somewhat Anabaptist. He's like a charismatic Anabaptist. But Anabaptists are tr- traditionally apolitical. So they absolutely refute. They don't vote. Like They, they just do not get involved in, in politics or government. They just yeah. stay outside of that. They don't weigh in on political affairs. Uh, and they just, they even encourage their congregation, like just don't even get involved when it comes to voting. That's not how we, how we war. Yeah. Uh, so they, so they have that, that, that mentality. Uh, Christ of culture mentality is, um, it's, it's the exact opposite. And it seeks to bring culture and Christianity together regardless of their differences through concessions and syncretism now this is my least favorite of the bunch and this is this is what you see this is like this is honestly like going into uh downtown cincinnati in june just because i just recently went to cincinnati and seeing like you know pride flags draped all over the churches downtown yeah and you see that a lot they're just going ahead and embracing culture yeah and where it's currently going uh, yeah conforming and, to yes it. and they're secret and they're they're syncretizing they're conforming to it they're conceding and then they're finding like they're bending scripture to fight try to find ways to be relevant to a culture who's going in an opposite direction yeah um not good christ above culture um it tries to integrate a christian vision with a human cultural vision believing um that God uses the best elements of human culture to bring about flourishing. Uh, and so this is like where uh, the church moves toward institutionalizing Christ and the gospel. So you have like the Roman Catholic Church. So essentially what you would do with this kind of mindset is you want to get people in political power who are hardcore Christians, and then we would kind of want to enforce that Christianity, you know, in yeah. into government and institutionalize Christianity so that it's in educational systems, it's yeah. it's in our government. E- even, you know, maybe you would even have to be a Christian to be a, p- a particular leader in, in that realm. Like, yeah. So the, the higher up you are spiritually, the more, you know, recognition you would receive and then the more potentially power you would even get in government because of that. That's why in the Roman Catholic Church when it was – it was – infused with the government right uh right. in that sense and so uh and and the problem with that is it sometimes it can become very dangerous because once the church and the government get infused the church becomes extremely corrupt mm. and that and that's the, that's the scary thing with that is it's it's hard to it's hard to keep the 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 church pure when it gets infused with government because there's so much corruption involved right and yeah. historically, that's what we, you saw happen. Um, and the, the Reformation had to take place to bring us out of that kind of thing. Uh, so then there's the Christ and culture paradox. Basically, you're just always going to be living, you know, with one foot in each one. And one of the, one of the 
things that he gives here is like talking about how if you're a Christian, um, but also, you know, so you're supposed to love your enemy, lay down your life for your enemy, but you might within your culture have to go to war and then be a military and fight and kill somebody, kill your enemy. Yeah. And, you know, that's just a tension that you live with, which people have different views as far as that goes. Um, What's the movie that come, came out recently where it's got the uh, the guy, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, the, uh, yeah, the one that, that refuses to take, like, a gun or whatever. He's just, right. like, a medic. Yeah, it was, a, it, yeah, it was based on a true story. And I, I, Hacksaw Ridge? Yeah, so I, think, Ridge? I think it is Hacksaw Ridge. So, and he, he just refuses based on his faith. He's yeah. not going to take up arms. He's yeah. a pacifist. Uh, and I, I can't remember what he was. He may have been a Seventh-day Adventist or something. Yeah. But there's certain groups like Anabaptists are pacifists. Uh, I think a lot of Seventh-day Adventists are pacifists. They just absolutely refuse um, to go to war in that sense. But not all of them are. Um, but but you right. know, some some people some people view that thing and they. And, but but it it would be. I mean, uh, as a Christian, I'm going to be honest with you. It would be difficult to go to war. But then I also wrestle with the fact that you know some. You, you talk about World War Two. It's almost like man, it's like part of you internally it's like it had to be done yeah you know and so we wrestle with those things yeah and i and i understand that wrestling within those two realms of culture and it even goes back to like the already not yet stuff you know there's there's a lot of this that we're still trying to really you know take and 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 obviously live this out but we're still in an extremely broken world and there's just there's just a lot that we still question yeah. we still wrestle with and i think i think because our world is so broken even in the old testament you see almost like accommodation on god's part as far as as how some of those things go like like even though he didn't really want people to have multiple wives he accommodated for it yeah. even though he still didn't it was. It's. It ends up being sinful, you yeah. know, it, it, in the totality of Scripture. Yet it happened. He overlooks it. Yeah. Within the broken context of our world, throughout in different places in Scripture, it's like a mature, a continued maturing. Yeah. Of, of everything. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. When you're as messed up as we are, it's like okay. There's there's space to grow and try to figure this thing out, but that's hard, man. Because when you have absolute evil that's getting ready to take over the world, yeah, it's like what what do you do? Do we just, just do we just lay yeah. down? Uh, some you know at this point, somebody breaks into my house, I'm the only one there, and they they're bent on killing me. I may let them do it, but if they break into my house, they're bent on killing my wife and child. I'm taking them out. Yeah, they're taking a bullet, son. Yeah. Uh, so I mean that's tough. It is tough. Am I am I it gonna feel tough. awful about that? I'm gonna hate it. It's yeah. probably gonna cause trauma to me, and I'm probably gonna still feel like it was sinful, because it's it's the brokenness of humanity. Mm-hmm. You're just gonna carry that. I don't know. You know. There's a lot to wrestle with there. Yeah. Let's move on. That could be a whole nother <laughs> podcast topic yeah. itself. So the, the then the last one is Christ transforming culture. And uh, of course, he says this is his the view of his church. This has kind of been my view. Uh, and and it, it, it's this idea that we come in and we, as the church, are looking to invade culture with the gospel and allow it to be the seed that grows up yeah. uh, and, and brings transformation through what Jesus wants to do. So we don't necessarily just separate ourselves completely come from culture. We don't conform to culture. 
and then and then it's not necessarily just about holding the tension all the time but it's believing that through Christ we actually have the power to through the gospel and living gospel lives actually bring transformation yeah. into culture itself so that it begins to reflect uh Christ and um and so uh, this is this is kind of a an amazing thing so so the question he asks is should Christians try to engage and influence culture and we should answer with the affirmative instead of condemning or copying or consuming or critiquing Mm -hmm. or competing with culture we're called to engage it redeem it and restore culture by creating god glorifying culture yeah and um yeah so the rest of this chapter is going to answer some questions one what is culture Mm-hmm. Why does culture matter? How is culture broken? How do we renew culture? And then lastly, what part can I play in cultural renewal? Um, and so so quickly, just to define some things, uh, the book goes into it here. Culture is the beliefs, behaviors, values, language, intellectual achievements, artistic expression, and the entire way of life of a particular group of people. Um also, he also says the word culture is derived from the Latin word "calir." I probably butchered that, but uh, but it means to plow or to till. So it kind of you know d- denotes this this cultivation, care, this tending to mm-hmm. type of mindset. Um, which he's going to go on to say, really, you know, we are made to create as human beings we create yeah. culture it's just what we do naturally yeah. and and here and here's so so here's what's interesting like i i think about this in terms because if you go to a different city so we were talking earlier about just the context of different places so like preachers were will be talking about you know in new york city because of the culture they preach maybe in a more confrontive combative type of way just because of the overall culture of the people is just short a little bit a little bit brash, you know what I'm saying, and, yeah. and just to the point. Yeah. And so that's how they speak. But if you go out in Portland, it's like a real laid back, hippie kind of atmosphere. Yeah. And so they're just talking, and this is how they preach. Yeah. And so it fit. And 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 even like if you think about Clay County, see that there's a certain culture. I think about. Uh, I know this is well. Let, let let me let me think about this, Jerry. I was about <laughs> to say something, but I'm going to withdraw in order to not offend or anything like that but um so like even when you come into church for example you know the way it looks on the outside uh and then coming in the way the building is you know whether it's clean or you know or what do what do people care about uh what is the language you use are people smiling what's on their face what how do they speak to one another and then when when we preach or when we worship like what how, how is that? All of yeah. those things start to create an environment in which certain things will take place. People will be more led to, to behave this way or act this way, be led more to believe this way. And like there, there can even be a culture for like, for like how things need to be. And I think, you know, when we took like, for example, for example, when we took this building that I felt like was broken down here that we're now in, like I was, I was battling but I honestly felt like it was important that we made this place look nice and respectable. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think because in the culture of Clay County, we can tend 
being, you know, we were once the fourth poorest county in the nation. Like you can just sort of get locked into that mindset. Like we don't have nice things, and not only that, we don't care. Yeah. Like I, I've heard, I've heard that language so much. Like yeah. I, I don't care about it, but I don't care about that. I don't care about a building. I don't care about. It. Well, here's the thing: as image bearers of God, we should care about everything that is within God's creation. It's why we pick up trash on the side of the road. Yeah. Like there's, there's something about that. We want to bring beauty and life and human flourishing in everything we do, in every word we say, in every wall we paint, in everything that we do, we want beauty that when people see it, when people hear it, when people experience it, it glorifies God and it reveals his image. So God is not a God of chaos. He's not a God of nastiness. He's not a God of destruction. He's a God of order and beauty and glory and honor Mm -hmm. and love and kindness. And so whatever we do, we want to do it to the glory of God. Yeah. Like so, when you say I, I do something to the glory of God, what you're saying is I want to do it in such a way that it reflects His nature. Mm-hmm. And and so, look at the things around you. Do, does it reflect His nature? Yeah. Does our attitude, our words, reflect His nature? Does does even how we treat our belongings reflect His nature? Does the way I got my books set up over here, you know, reflect His nature? Like all of that stuff. Yeah. Is important in those types of things because what do they do? They create culture it Mm -hmm. creates values it creates language beliefs uh everything that just begins to to change the world around you does that make pretty decent sense yeah i think it makes perfect sense um i like it says here um henry r van teel a dutch theologian explains culture this way culture is religion externalized whatever or whoever a person worships in their heart this belief will bleed out into the kind of life that they build. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes on to say, like, even, like, every person in a society is impacted by um, these different things. Um, even, you know, the way we the way we dress, the way we look, the way we talk, everything is impacted. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, really, I really like what you're saying there and what he points out, too, because sometimes we can, we can not think about, like, everything in creation – you know what I'm saying? Like when you think about beauty and even like going back to the building, it's uh, really just taking everything in your life and, and saying, how can I, how can I honor God in this? And how can I be an, as an image bearer, you know, have God reflect in this. And so that's, it's a good mindset to take upon. Like everything matters, everything in your life, not just, you know, a little category for, for Christian Christianity on Sunday, but like, everything mm-hmm. like you said yeah how we steward the earth itself yeah i mean and how we how how we uh make better the raw materials of life that we've been given yeah. our family to more reflect god itself our home our possessions every aspect of that so you know that's what he i don't know how much of this you read um yeah, I just read a little part of but it. But he ends up saying, you know, human culture becomes the manifestation of this on a larger scale. It is hundreds and thousands of people all worshiping the same concept or God, then living accordingly, producing a culture that expresses this central belief. It is out of a shared belief that language is created, art is produced, policies are enacted, educational curriculum is written and laws are enforced yeah literally our culture is changing so rapidly okay so and and again i hate to to 
I'm not trying to jump on LGBTQ plus or anything today necessarily, but 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 consider how how fast culture has shifted. In 2008, for example, Barack Obama uh, he ran on the platform. Uh, well, I shouldn't say he ran on the entire platform, but he and Joe Biden in 2008 and around that area were both interviewed and asked questions about traditional marriage, and both of them affirmed traditional marriage. Joe Biden said that the state should recognize that marriage is between a man and woman. It's in 2008. Yeah. Okay. Just eight years later, toward the end of of Barack Obama's presidency, and even now in 2023, both of those men have lit up the, the entire White House with LGBTQ plus colors. Supreme Court decisions has made it legal for gay marriage in all states etc and then and then um now the bigger movement is this transgenderism issue where now joe biden thinks also that eight-year-olds should be able to have reconstructive surgery uh to to change their gender so how fast has culture changed that it has shifted the laws that we make the policies we enact and even the curriculum that we now teach to our children yeah, all, all of it's changing because culture is changing. Yeah, and we we have this concept or this idea or this God that ultimately the masses of people are all worshiping self. Mm. They're coming to that. That's what it is. It is a postmodern worship of self. It's the full. It's a much fuller manifestation of what we've been saying this whole time. You can be gods, deciding for yourself what is good and evil. What you what you worship is yourself. You are your own God. Yeah. So you're, the fullness of your self-expression is what should be honored at the highest regard. And anybody who says or stands in the way of you being you, however you want to be you, is is a bigot, and that and that's a hate crime. Mm-hmm. And and so so they've twi- culture has twisted these things on their head. And I know that some people could listen to that and say, well, Clay, that is hateful. Why, why would you come out and say that? Well, because, because we're trying, we come from a biblical perspective that God has a very particular design. And so God loves all people and all of us have been in sin, have been confused, but see, we have to all repent and come into agreement with who he says that we are because when we don't culture starts to deform. And then it does no longer represents the glory of God, and no longer no longer manifests the beauty of God. It manifests something very confusing, and and it and it represents disorder and chaos and confusion. Right. And that's where we're heading. Yeah, and that's why all this matters. Yeah. Is, you know, like we said earlier, fundamentally human beings are culture making creatures, and everything in our life literally is reflected. Yeah. By how we how we build culture and what we worship and what yeah. we put at the center. So there's a book I've got over there called Culture Making by Andy Crouch, and it, it, it touches on some of this stuff. There was another guy that forever ago, and people gave him a hard time because he had what was called dominion theology, which is basically talking about what we're getting back to, that God gave humans dominion over the earth, and he's like, we got to take back over what we've lost yeah, because Christ has given us it. And, and I think there's some truth to it, but he had what was called a seven mountain mandate. And it was funny cause it's in the book here and it talks about, uh, there's different domains or spheres found in cultures and it's categorized into seven categories or seven channels of culture. And those seven channels of culture are media, arts and entertainment, business, education, government, 
the social sector, and religious institutions. So look at those things. So the idea is, is that if we're going to create or take culture over, so to speak, I don't know if the taking over is the right language. Transform. But, yeah, but tra- trans- yeah. influence and transform culture. He says you got to do it in all of these sectors, yeah. all of these categories. You have to, within the media realm, like somebody's got to get in there and in the arts and entertainment and put out good media that is God-glorifying. But yeah. see, the mass amount of media that we consumed is so purely evil. Yeah. Uh, and it's just bent, bent on that. And so arts and entertainment the same way. There's a message that is constantly coming through media, a message that is constantly coming through Disney, through Netflix. Mm-hmm. What, what are they teaching us, right, yeah. through all of these things? What is the message that they're selling? Because they're trying to create culture. They're trying to change culture. They want to transform culture. It happens in education. I know Andrea sent me something the other day where she's teaching fifth and sixth graders, and and I don't even know if this is right to talk about, but she just showed me a picture of what was something in the book in the curriculum that they have to teach. It was a lie. I, I read it, and I said, that is not factual. But I know I know why they put it in the book because because they need they wanted they want they're trying to change the way people view certain things very religiously oriented actually yeah and they gave something that is not factual in that book to try to make people think a certain way and that it just it enraged me a little bit yeah because I was just like where are we going that it, that even among fifth and sixth graders we can tell them things that aren't true. And because because we think that it that's better for them to know this, right? I yeah. don't know, man. And that's that's what's really bothersome is, man. How does this stuff so easily infiltrate our systems to the point? And it just happens without us even knowing, you know. And yeah. and before you know, and and we just kind of, and like you said, you do wrestle with this. Like, it's hard to like feel. You know what do I do, yeah. and that's what we're talking about, obviously, in this chapter. Yeah. But still, even like hearing you say that, it's just like, man. Well, and that's that's where we're at, man. Because some of these things, when you start talking about cultural renewal, honestly, they're overwhelming. They are. Because we can sit here and talk about this stuff, and what you end up wrestling with is like, am I going to send my kid to public school? Yeah. Like you, you, you wrestle with that stuff because right. because it's just honestly, it's getting worse and worse. And 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 the, po- the I think the point you have to come to is you just have to be you have to be fine with the fact that your kid is just going to honestly probably be very conformed to uh, a lot of the, the cultural things that are that are going that direction and it's going to take root in their heart unless you do I mean because to to combat here's the thing your kid goes to school eight hours a day how are you going to combat that with all the sports you take them to I mean you're spending a, a two three hours with them a day really at best yeah at best I mean it, it's a it's a frightening and how thing. much of that is really teaching them the things of God yeah it's yeah. it's it's rare <laughs> so so that's where we're at it's something we have to take into consideration because all of these areas in one way or another right. Um, they manifest what a society worships mm-hmm. and how that's being reflected in the goods that it produces. And, and these seven spheres, 
make up the culture of society. So all you have to really do is watch a little bit of television, see what the government is wanting to place in law, see what they're promoting, see what they talk about, and you're and you're looking at the God that they worship. Yeah. And it's the God they worship right now is the modern self. Yeah. There are no truths. There mm. is no truth. Everybody yeah. can live their own truth. You be your own God. It's again, it's a it's a reversion back to the Garden of Eden. You can yeah. be your own God. Um so man, anyway, that's it's that's pretty heavy stuff. It uh, really is. But yeah. but so he goes on to say why why does culture matter? And he and he basically lays out this argument. It's because we are culture making creatures. Yeah. And so even so when when God puts Adam and Eve in the garden, Adam means human in Hebrew, Eve means life. So they represent all of human life. He puts them in a garden and a garden is representative of what? You're cultivating. Yes. You're producing something. You're growing something. You're you're creating an environment. Anybody who does any gardening, I've done little to none, but I have an understanding that like you've got to till the ground. You gotta get the soil in good condition. First of all, you gotta find out whether the soil is worth planting in. Yeah. And then you need to fertilize it, manure it, stuff like that. Yeah. Prepare the ground. And then you've got to put the seed in in a proper way at a right location under the, in the soil and, and seed beds all right and all that stuff then you got to water it you got to keep out deer i mean you got to keep out animals yeah and all this different things all the weeds out and protect so so that there can be ordering and flourishing yeah and in the same way he's saying like don't let stuff into this garden he says cultivate it protect it guard it and make sure that it that is it's ripe for flourishing yeah. And full growth. And so that's representative of what he's given us is dominion over the wor- over the earth, over all of creation, to order it in such a right way and take the raw materials that God's given us and create something amazing and beautiful for humans to flourish and see the glory of God in greater ways. Yeah. Um, but here's what it says uh, on page 217. It says, we currently live in a time when Western culture is being severed from its roots and the rich ideas that used to undergird it. Many in postmodern Western societies suggest that human beings come from nowhere for no reason and yet are somehow still infinitely valued in our vast, vast universe. In contrast, Christianity claims that all human beings come from somewhere and belong to someone who created them and endowed them with innate value. Yeah. So see, we start with a story, and it, this this changes culture. If you think you just came from a bang, it changes everything. Yeah. If we are simply only highly evolved animals, then the best thing that we can possibly do is just yield to whatever feeling that we have. Yeah. And do and you do you. Yeah. And so that's that's where this sexual anarchy comes from. That's where this mentality of these the, these different types of things come from. And uh, and so we've we've adopted certain mindsets that that basically are undermining a culture that is rooted and grounded in the truth of God. Um, so he talks about this larger story here. Yeah, I, I, this part was really interesting to me. How you know, essentially, um, we you know, as Christians. We've kind of taken the gospel story mm-hmm. and made it into two parts, which is just sin and redemption. Yep. But there's actually, um, you know, four to five parts to it. So rather than just sin redemption, it should actually um, refer 
um, to to two other parts too, which is involves creation. Let's see where where is it? yeah creation, fall, redemption, and then final restoration. Um, and he talks about you know when you reduce it down to just sin and redemption, um, you your your story looks like this: Who made me? God. What is my relationship to God? Broken because of sin. What is the problem? You. How is the problem fixed? Belief in Jesus for forgiveness of sin, and then what comes next? You keep living in this sinful world until you die and go to heaven to be with Jesus. So just keep hanging on and believing in Jesus until you die. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's, it, that's what you see a lot in like the church sometimes. It like it's, it's like that's what's taught. And that's what the, and, and the culture is. that That's what you, when you walk into church, the attitude, it's like a somber attitude, little joy. But yes. it's like, oh, this world's a sinful world and you, you got to repent and it, you get to go to heaven when you die and you don't go to hell. Yeah, that's and, it, and that's it, it. And we leave it at that. And then even in our discipleship processes, it's just trying our best to be a good person, but this sinful world is going to swallow us up. So let's just do our best to get through it, and we get to go to heaven when we die. Yeah. And and, and so, like you said, it starts Genesis 3 with the fall. problem is sin. The fixing of it is Jesus on the cross is resurrection. But then those is us at the two-part gospel. He says, no, no, no. And so it's not just... It's not just the, the, the Great Commission now. It's it's the cultural mandate, which began in, in Genesis 1 and 2 before the fall. Yeah. So then Jesus is raised from the dead, deals with our sins, but then he after his resurrection, he endues us with that authority once again and says, go into all the world and preach the, gos- the gospel. Yeah. So here's, here's a big thing, though, and I guess this is where I, my issue is with politics, and I may be jumping ahead of myself, but like, when Jesus, you know, comes back from death and he gives them the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, like what he doesn't do is say, hey, go and try to get people in, in, in places of political power, etc. He believed that if we just preached and proclaimed the gospel to every living creature, that would have the effect and the kingdom would spread and it would transform society. And it has. Yeah. Like America itself, like we have the laws that we have and we had the society that we have because for the most part, we were founded on biblical godly principles. I don't know that. I know people argue, well, not every one of them guys is a Christian. Yeah, but see, the culture that they lived in were shaped by Christian truth. Mm-hmm. There was a culture around them yeah. that shaped the way they think, that shaped the way they lived, that th- shaped the way they responded to people and how they how they had relationships and what marriage looked like. Like there was a culture there that was that was produced, and I know there was a lot of evil done. Still, yeah, yet. I get that. That's not my argument here. Like there's still a lot of evil that took place, and even Christian people murdered some Indians. I know. I understand. There's still a lot of evil, but you still have to see the good that was there because there's always, like, even when God is moving and there's some Christian culture in a broken world, the good that's sometimes there, there's always the devil lurking behind it. Yeah, and, and so it, it's it's rough to sift through, but um, the point being is that it's not just about you getting saved so you can go to heaven when you die. It's about you getting saved so that we can now enter into the cultural mandate to, to take dominion back over and believe that God can transform transform culture on a whole. We're, yeah. we're, we're here right now to be in the already, not yet. We pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done right here, right now on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. 
that the earth could somehow with our lives reflect heaven. So it goes a little bit further. Yeah, I think when you realize that too, it it gives you a deeper sense of like purpose and like you got a role to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just going to church on Sunday, as we've said so many times, but it, it really does. You understand that, hey, you know, I am an image bearer and, I, you know, the world is broken and things are chaotic, but the Lord has you know, mandated me and called me to reflect his image in the world that I live in around the people that I'm involved with in my family, in my home, in my workplace. And, and, and those, I think realizing that, you know, we were talking earlier how this all seems really heavy and daunting and like, where do you even start? And I think when you can just get a hold of the fact that that's where it does start, it's, and this was pointed to in the last podcast, but it starts with the few, it starts in the, Mm -hmm. the, you know, in your heart and what you're doing and eventually if 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 a few get a hold of this and it affects them before you know it it starts to spread like wildfire and jesus had the, the disciples that changed the world forever and changed culture forever yeah. and so we have to look at it in those terms we can't just snap our fingers and things be changed overnight we have to do what we can do in our positions and take it seriously not just, you know, like like we talked about in the beginning of this podcast, not just disconnect with culture and like leave Christ out of it, but I'll, but realize that we have a part in helping to transform it. Yeah. Um and and that I, I don't know, when I when I just think about that for me personally, it gives me a little bit of hope and it gives me a little bit of direction and saying, yeah, things are messed up and broken, but if I can just if I can do my part and and you know, then I'm making a difference somehow. Yeah. And I think I think the other thing too, one thing that gives me hope is there are people just like me who are making change on some small level in their communities all over the world. Like yeah. I know I know people in different cities all over the world that are bringing change and 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 living truth and living the gospel. And, 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 and seeing God's kingdom come in various ways. And so there I know, forget forget other places. I mean, I know people here in my same city. Mm-hmm. They may not be directly connected to my ministry, but we're still working for the same kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's, it's happening right here. And there are certain little pockets, even though we've got a lot to do and a lot to grow in to do better on, on many levels. I mean, you know... Here, here within our own city and town, there's a there's you know there's corruption that needs to be dealt with, and God needs to invade that, and there's all kinds of things going on. But the Lord has people all over the globe, yeah, little seeds planted to bring about this transformation. And so, just imagine what the world would be like if we weren't here. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that. So, so they're they're we're already bringing change, and and everything that we do matters. At the bottom of 219, uh, Nancy Piercy talks about this this cultural mandate that we have. She says the first phrase, and this is from Genesis 1, 26, be fruitful and multiply. It means to develop the social world, build families, churches, schools, cities, governments, and laws. The second phrase, subdue the earth, means to harness the natural world plant crops, build bridges, design computers, and compose music. This passage is sometimes called the cultural mandate because it tells us that our original purpose was to create cultures, build civilizations, nothing less. So one of the issues that they're going to talk about with creating culture is the fact that 
uh, when we look around, we see beautiful works of art, but also we see huge heaps of garbage laying somewhere. Yeah. And so there's there's some yeah. good and there's some bad in us. And yes. we, we, we can bring out a lot of beauty, uh, and at the same time, we can produce a lot of trash. Yeah. And uh, and and organizing the raw things of life, uh, you know, if if you think about this, just like even think about, and this, this and here's the here's the here's the crazy like, just di- dynamic of of a lot of these things. For example, um, so people have to mine like in Africa, and and it's honestly they mistreat the workers. They're exploited, et cetera, to get the raw materials of the precious metals that goes into something like an iPhone or or a computer. But yet we have iPhones and computers and technology that can do unreal and amazing things. Mm-hmm. And I can communicate with people all over the world. I can send money to a man in Africa who's planning a church because of that stuff. Yeah, with but just then, a push of a button. But then still within that, there's evil at the root of it. Yeah. And there's the greed of people who just want to exploit people to make as much money as they can because they can make a bunch of money off iPhones and stuff. Right. So everything seems to be tainted, but yet there's this, still at at the core, you see that organization of the raw materials to make crazy stuff. Yeah. And that that's the image of God in us where we do that. Uh, and that's what happens. New things emerge from organization and allow for the human heart and the natural world to flourish and thrive in their worship of God. See, when God started, he looked at the the void, the empty, emptiness, and the chaos, the tohu avohu, and he spoke, and he brought order to chaos. Yeah. And in the same way, he's given us the raw materials of what what's here on the earth, and he says, I use all this for human flourishing. But So organizing the raw. What is music? You play in the band every week here, but when you think about all the sounds that you could potentially make, yeah. What are the odds of you all organizing multiple instruments, multiple vo- vocalists to create an organized, you know, because yeah. I can get a guitar right now and bang a fire out of it, make all kinds of random noises. Yeah. But to get that organized together into such a beautiful thing. And not only in just one instrument, and one person, but multiple instruments, multiple voices, multi- I mean, strings, yeah. keys, pads like it's synchronously working together to bring glory to god and then invoke people's hearts to worship of the one true god yeah so that's that's what we're talking about it's a beautiful thing we overlook it sometimes because it's so like normal to us but it's pretty remarkable honestly and but but then look at music it's it can be be some of the most beautiful thing that glorifies god yeah but also look at the demonic side of music yeah it leads people into utter filth and garbage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right there. So same way with technology. Computers can help me contact and send money to a man out planting a church in the middle of Africa. I also allow somebody to do horrible things. Yep. Uh, you know, and exploit others and, and sexual perversion and all these things. Uh, we talk about a family. When it's ordered and arranged rightly, there's love, there's care, there's compassion passion and people are able to survive and eat together and thrive and just experience joy uh but then when it starts to break down there's division hatred yeah all these things uh law for example is used you know to determine right and wrong but when that is broken you know the bible even says this in first john sin is lawlessness 
It's refusing to submit to the law of God. Mm-hmm. That's what sin is. Um, and so, you know, these things can break down. When we reject that, we're, we're, we're heading, in, heading in the wrong place. Economics is the arranging of capital and human invention in such a way that wealth is produced, consumed, and transferred. But see, in our economical world, greed has so contaminated it mm-hmm. that our health care systems, our pharmaceutical companies, every aspect of them, they're, just, they're so consumed with greed that they're bent on evil, and they will do anything they can to create a system that doesn't necessarily always promote human flourishing, yeah. but rather instead enslaves them to a system that enriches the greedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, like I said, we you can go on forever. Education is the same way, but now education is even changing because it's not about truth. It's more about indoctrination to- toward what we want you to believe. Yeah. I mean, there's the guy. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to get into. But today, one of the most basic concepts is can't can a man be a woman? And half our half of our nation is saying yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's crazy and actually they can't it's a biological impossibility your bones are even different yeah you're different on a chromosomal level there's uh it's just it's just not it's not it's not real it's man it's it it's something that's manufactured so anyway um the stories we love you know the story, stories point us to something. You know, I know this will probably offend people, and I've probably said something like it before because I like to watch TV shows too sometimes when I can find some good stuff to watch. But, like, I, I remember watching a few episodes of Yellowstone and having to quit it. But people loving that show so much, it was almost like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, said look, when, when, when everybody in the world and the church itself, when this is their favorite show, and I know a lot of people watch this, yeah. so I know you'll probably get slightly offended, but this is just what the, how the Holy Spirit dealt with me. When he said, These, when this is the story you love, you know, something's r- get going wrong at the core. Because there's absolutely zero redemptive value in that show. Yeah, it's it's like the, even like the, it's not necessarily good versus bad, it's just bad versus the batter yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's all evil and there's zero redemptive value and it and it just it's about greed violence lust anger right like that that's that's all it is and but we love these characters oh man i love that person i'm just thinking yeah when when those what we what we should love are redemptive stories that that bring about the beauty and and righteousness and redemption and, you know, there are certain things that come out, and I get it. Like, most, most Christian movies and TV shows are cheaply made, poorly made, and they're not that great. But, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> yeah. but still, yeah, I get why that's an entertaining show. But to love the story, and I don't know where you're at, because sometimes I watch things that are maybe more, more violent or whatever because the story itself is compelling. Um, you know what yeah, I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but I, I think you, you always have to check your heart on what stories am I being told and why am I being told this story and why do I love it? Yeah. Why is it so good? Looking into it a little yeah, bit yeah, deeper. Yeah, just think, yeah. think about what you're watching. Think about what it means. Think about where it's pointing you. Right. Does it glorify God or is it, just, is it appealing to your carnal nature and you're just allowing it to feed that? Yeah. That's just yeah. questions that I would ask. What, it, I mean – you know, it really is good just for when you do watch something and think about those things. 
you know, like you said, what is this? Well, what's the what's the what? What am I really being told here? What's the well, the big story? And that's you know? kind of my litmus because I tried to watch Yellowstone, and then it like a few episodes in, it was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, this is breaking the line for me, man. I can't do this because I see, I sense what's going on here, and it's and I don't see any redemptive value whatsoever. So I stopped it, uh, and then I think I tried to watch another one, which one of them was a little bit better. It had Tim McGraw in it. Oh yeah, and I felt yeah. like there was there, there was there was some value in that. Like yeah. there was there was I, I saw something in that that was valuable. Uh, she was even wrestling with her own theology, like the young girl was in yeah. the background of it. Now it wasn't good theology necessarily, but she's wrestling with the th- the hardship she's going through and where's God at in all of it. Yeah, and so there was some stuff there, and then the other one I was I felt again kind of the same way about the initial one. So sometimes I'll test stuff out to be like, am I gonna be able to watch this or, or not? Yeah. And there's a little something in my and everybody's different. Like you gotta follow your own convictions. I'm not here to convict you. Let the holy and I'm not judging you if you did watch it. Praise the Lord. I, I, I yeah. feel I feel like I'm getting maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's. Can we go back and cut this out, Jeremy? No, I think it, well, it's good. I think it's good to wrestle with this stuff because, like you said, everything. I mean, there's a reason that you know. Going back to what we've been talking about, there's a reason the art and the media that's produced, it, it's coming from somewhere, and as Christians who are wrestling with all this. Yeah. In the already but not yet and and seeing the brokenness of the world and also wanting to see change and transformation we have to realize uh what what culture is and everything that's involved and how we participate is ultimately going to create something good yeah. or it's going to create something bad. Well, cuz you're not going to change culture if you're conformed by it. Period. If you just adopt it and wink at it and sort of flirt with it and love it, like you're not going to change. You're it. not changing it. Yeah. No, you have to be able to dissect it. So that, so that's, I mean, that's the reason I look at things the way that I do. I'm not opposed to watching television shows or movies, but I, if I'm watching it, I'm dissecting it. I want to know the story that it's telling me, why it's telling me that story, and what it's pointing to. Yeah. And can can I draw any redemptive value out of it whatsoever? Is there something that I can see in it that has that has some measure of redemptive value? That's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I want to be entertained. I'm, that's why we all watch movies, isn't it? Yeah. Like I want to be entertained, but I want to be able to find something. And if it is just just filth, and I feel like it's something that's coming into my soul that is going to distort the image of God in me, then I need to probably reject it. Yeah. And that's this goes back to even like the the first volume of this book, and we read some statistics when you look at those who call themselves Christians, the majority of them, their lives look nothing different than the rest of the world. Right. And you have to realize that if, if as Christian people, we're going to change culture, we have to live differently. Right. We have to do things differently. We have to actually follow the way of Jesus. And, but, I, yeah. th- and I think an even greater thing is just what I said. Like, we, we, we need to try to get to, an, to a point where we can actually analyze culture. Because here's the thing. 99.9% of people believe all kinds of things that the that the culture has taught them and they believe it violently, aggressively and have no idea why they believe it, where it came from or why it's even a thought. Mm, they they have no idea. Yeah. And 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 so, you know, I think even if you go all the way back to when we did the first book last year, if you remember, we had a printout. We we remember we did the world views. Yeah. And we went through a breakdown of like postmodernism, Marxism, like all the things that 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 these different worldviews believe and where these thoughts come from. 
and because if you can't analyze what what's being told to you and and why like what where's that thought even come to why does it even make sense to a world to believe that that it's okay and cool for children to to change their gender yeah it's crazy it it, it, it's, yeah. it, it that would have never even been a thought 30 years ago yeah it's just, like that would have been such an outlier in society for anybody to think it's a good idea yeah uh, and, but but culture's changing. Why? Where'd it come from? Well, you can get more into it. Right. There's, there's several good books, but but uh, but you have to just understand what your the stories you're being sold. They're, if they're not going to sell it to you in a book or philosophy class, they'll sell it to you on TV. Yeah. At 8 p.m. The specials coming out that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're um we've went very long. It's okay. It's okay. This is some some stuff you just got to dive into. This this stood out to me most, I think, Clay. Um it talks about on page 222 how the culture is broken. Um and the first reason our world is broken is because of satanic temptation. And I like what he says here. It may seem strange to insert Satan, the devil, or personal evil into this part of the story, but if you don't have the proper antagonist in your narrative, you will turn people into the enemy. Yeah. Right now, much of what's broken in our culture is mischanneled angst, t- uh, turning people into demonic caricatures mm-hmm. of the people they are, instead of understanding where evil really comes from. Yeah. We so were, we, we have to realize that there's satanic influence absolutely. behind this stuff, and that's the real enemy. It's not people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And, you know, I was speaking about the other day about how, you know, the demonic powers were actually moving behind Caiaphas and Pontius Pilate in the crucifixion of Jesus. And in the same way, in the media, okay, of course, if God wants to influence us by the Holy Spirit to move in media, to reorganize creation, uh, to get in education and teach godly values to yeah. children, etc. On the same token, Satan is working even harder to dominate those in power, in government, in education, etc., to influence them to bring out doctrines of demons. Yeah. And that's what's taking place. These are doctrines of demons, and many in the last days shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And that's what these things are. And people are departing from true faith in Christ and God and, and, and godly principles as they're being indoctrinated by these lies. But like you said, it's not the people that we're wrestling with. It's the powers behind the people. And that is that that gives us a mindset to frame this war. So you're not just looking at, hey, these are just, you know, these people just believe differently, have different ideas. No, these come from a source, mm-hmm. and they're they're an evil source. Yeah, and and that's how you have to view it. Uh, so it's not the people that we hate, but but we it's the strongholds of the demonic that we need to pull down by speaking the truth to these things the best way that we can and living them out on a daily life. Yeah, and it manifests God's glory and hopefully brings people to a place of repentance. Yeah, and that's how we begin to renew the culture. Yeah, and I think that's a big key that he's going to get into is you don't just necessarily renew the culture by going off on people and saying, this is the truth, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But people need a legitimate new birth. Yeah. They need salvation. Mm, That's good. And this is why, you know, I can't convince somebody who is not saved to believe the way that I believe about these issues. Yeah. What I can do is bring them the gospel and, and, and with the gospel, 
we believe in the power of God to give them a new heart and a new mind and transform them. And, and it would able, enable them not just to practice an external life of obedience to God's command, but, but, but to be reborn through the Spirit as image bearers who would then worship God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength and then could build lives and culture around the worship of God. Yeah. And see, right now our culture is being deformed because it's rejecting God in every area. Mm-hmm. And, and what we need to do is say, no, okay, we do need to bring this back around God, but you can't force people who don't, who don't believe to worship God and build culture around it. That's why the gospel comes first. Yeah. And our goal yeah. should be to, to spread the gospel even outside the church in every vector of society to as many people as we can because if they'll get saved and born again, the Spirit of God will tear down those strongholds and those thinking patterns yeah. to come into agreement with who, who God says he is. And they'll start to reorder their life around the worship of God no matter where they've been. And yeah. that, that's, that's what changes culture. And God raises up people. And puts them in places where they can have influence in our world. You know, one last thing that he says uh, on 229, how big is your vision of what Jesus accomplished on the cross? And does your vision match God's vision? You know, like when it comes, I don't know, we've went forever, but people can listen or they can cut it off, I guess. Uh, But when it comes to like what's going to happen in the end, that, you know, there's, pre-millennial post-millennial ah millennial so pre-millennial people believe that that like jesus comes there's a rapture and then seven years of the worst stuff you ever could imagine you know comes upon the face of the earth and there's a time of tribulation that's never been and then jesus comes back again and restores the world and then post-meal which is interesting not a lot of people believe this there's a guy named doug wilson that believes it and has written about it and stuff like that but that's that the church is actually in the middle of darkness going to continue to get better and better and better and stronger and stronger until the end when jesus comes back like he's going to have a bride and a church that essentially has infected every vector of society and is ruling and reigning the way that the church should be. Mm. And then Jesus comes back for for that bride. Post meals, what he believes. Yeah. Uh, then there's a millennial, which means that in the book of Revelation, the millennial reign is actually uh, a metaphor. So it's not a legitimate thousand years. It's that right now, currently, we are in that metaphorical 1,000 years ruling and reigning with Christ right now because Christ is raised from the dead. He's given us authority. And so this is the 1,000-year millennial reign that the church is currently in trying to go throughout all the nations preaching the gospel and, and enforcing his Christ rule and reign, which is official right now yeah. because of his resurrection. So how you believe that and how you see that, some people will just kind of, uh, you know, get to a point where it's just like, ah, the world's going to get worse and worse and worse. The best we can do is hang on. Yeah. For whatever reason, I tend to lean that way sometimes. But I do believe that there's this balance between, yes, just like Isaiah 60, though darkness covers the earth and deep darkness, the people, the glory of the light, the Lord shall arise upon you and his light shall be seen upon mm-hmm. you and Gentiles will come to the brightness of your rising. Yeah. Uh, so so there's that, that element of us being a great light in the middle of that darkness but yeah the role of the church is not to build a bigger church with its own isolated culture but to preach the gospel and make disciples who are formed equipped and sent out into the world we are meant to be formed in the image of jesus learning to love and obey him with our whole beings and we're meant to be sent out into every part of our world and to every sphere of culture to proclaim the gospel and renew the culture
Amen. Amen. All righty, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I know this has been a little bit of a longer one, but that's okay. Sometimes we need to spend a little bit more time wrestling with some of these things. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks for your time. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you on the next one.